What's up, everybody, and welcome to The State of Wild, episode 28, a regular podcast YouTube video web series thing. My name is Meowth. As usual, I'm joined by Corvette Games, and today we are excited to be joined by a very special guest, Martian. Martian, how are you doing, friends? I'm doing quite well. Thanks for having me on. For those of the, the listeners that don't know who you are, who is Martian? Uh, I play Wild Hearthstone, um, stream every day on Twitch. I like to play both silly decks and also very serious decks. I like variety, which is kind of why I prefer wild. But I'm also super fine with stagnation, so. So you're just happy with everything, right? It's true. <laughs> yeah, Marsh, and uh, very happy to have you on. I think we can just hijack the podcast and we can just turn this into a Dragon Ball Z uh, <laughs> pod if you, if, you, if you don't mind. I think Meowth might be left out on that one. But yeah, very happy to have you here. Yeah. I, I I will say I've never watched Dragon Ball Z. I hope I don't get, get yelled at for that. I was I was I was like no. Pokemon. I was a Digimon and Yu-Gi-Oh guy growing up, so I never like got into Dragon Ball Z. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, before we get uh, get on into the news of the week, uh, just a small thing, just a reminder to leave a like, comment, and subscribe if you guys enjoy our content. It is free and it does actually support us a lot. Uh, but yeah, let's go ahead and dive on into it. Let's talk about kind of the big elephant in the room. Uh, so yesterday, actually, on Friday, we got. A leak, and while I absolutely hate leaks because they ruin a lot of the anticipation and hype uh, about things, we did finally get information about the mini set. Um, and mm-hmm. so, what's happening is we, we we knew that we were getting a mini set, mid set expansion of thirty five cards coming sometime this month, um, and now we know that the official date is January twenty first, um, and. The, the website that did leak it did give us a little bit more information, uh, which is a little bit exciting, uh, because Dark Moon Races, which is the name of this expansion, is marking the return of mechanics first introduced in Ashes of Outland and School and its Academy, such as dual-class cards and spellbursts, which are kind of exciting because dual-class car- cards are, are awesome. Uh, and then players that want to get all 35 of these cards can pick up the bundle for $15 or 2,000 gold, which includes one of each of the set's four legendaries and two of all the other cards. Um, so this small little leak uh, got a huge reaction on Twitter, Reddit, everything, because there was a ton of information in here, which was kind of exciting. Uh, so first of all, mini sets supposedly coming in six days, uh, and the dates uh, kind of line up, because if you look at duels, I know a lot of people haven't really looked at duels in a while, but the <laughs> duel season is ending in six days, uh, which kind of mm-hmm. makes sense, right? Because they're going to be adding this new set of cards to the duels pool supposedly mm-hmm. um so it does kind of make sense and lines up with that um but i think the the thing that a lot of people were excited about were that you could just straight up buy the expansion of cards uh for 15 dollars so. or 2000 in-game gold which was awesome um so first of all what were your you guys reaction to the leak uh like, are you hyped to finally get news about the um about the mini set yeah, uh, so this date, you know, the 21st of Jan, that's kind of basically what's been floated around mm-hmm. for over a month now, it feels like. Um, but yeah, uh, I actually don't despise leaks. I know that you really? said you don't like it, but I just like getting all the good info immediately. Like, I don't really mind <laughs> if, if we get it a little early. Um, I think a lot of the stuff that's in the article was, like you said, really hype. Uh, bringing back dual class is something that I was super excited about. So hopefully for me, I think, Hopefully that's true. Like, I'd really like it to see more dual class. I think dual class is also such a good way to make, like, a smaller card pool make such a big impact if they do revisit that mechanic and stuff. Um, So, yeah, and, you know, going with the whole 
the the economy of the of the expansion you know where people can get it for that 2000 gold um i think that's a smart call i hadn't really heard much in terms of hearthstone the cost of the game recently so it's a little out of left field um you know there's been no controversy about that so yeah really happy though that they've kind of made that decision i'm not uh usually surprised by leaks these days i kind of expect them now so i'm past, <laughs> yeah. the, I'm past the point of like uh being sad about spoilers when it comes to these things um how confident are we that this is actual information and it's not just random person i i had I, the I same reservations right but that's the fact that it lines up with the end of the dual season kind of makes me a little bit more confident in these and the fact that it got pulled like maybe mm-hmm. in 30 minutes after it was released mm. kind of also gives me a little there... bit of support towards this being real there were also websites that sort of um reported on this article um and i think that those websites would also be under embargo like they would know whether this was real or not and mm-hmm. so i don't think they would have like re-reported it if they knew it was false for sure um so i mean i i would be 99 sure that this is all like factual well i think the fact that you can buy all the cards straight up for 15 bucks or with 2000 gold or you can pull them out of the packs if you like yeah that's pretty crazy ridiculous. i think yeah. that's like one of the best changes they've made in recent history if that's true yeah i think i don't know if this was as a response to the whole battle pass thing and they decided to price it like this or this was like always the plan for these mm-hmm. mid-set expansions but the fact that you can do i think this is a huge win for hearthstone and if every mid-set expansion is like this i think everybody is gonna absolutely love them um because not only will it keep things fresh but it's keeping things fresh at a very minimal price uh which is awesome the big difference between this and an adventure besides the lack of solo content is the fact that you can get it out of the packs too Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, people complain a lot about being free to play and not being able to get one of the cards that you need at like the very back of galakron's awakening or whatever uh but that's not gonna be a factor anymore because you can just craft them or pull them out of packs yeah, I, yeah also... I, I remember when I when I like went to make free to play wild Asia accounts and stuff. Um, I, I remember that I, I used to play like quest made and stuff, and all of a sudden I went in and I was like, all right, I got my twenty eight cards. Add that. Oh, licensed adventurer is behind like a two thousand paywall. And yeah, turns out my deck is kind of a lot worse without having that adventure card. So yeah, kind of like making that barrier like disappear. That's that's really really good. I also I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, but because this is like available in packs and not behind like an adventure kind of wall, I think you mm. also should just be able to kind of craft the cards that you need, right? Like if there's only yeah. one out of the 35 cards that you want for whatever reason, then instead of paying 2,000 gold, you might just be able to pay like the 1,600 dots for the legendary that you want, assuming that it's like an expansion of Dark Moon Fair, right? Yeah, I, I've read elsewhere that that's that's like what was mentioned or someone sort of said the same thing that they should be craftable as well which i think is awesome right because now you don't have to wait like right now a lot of people are having to wait until galakron's awakening rotates to wild before they can craft their licensed adventures or their risky skippers which really sucks uh and so i'm glad i'm hoping right we don't know for certain but hoping that like that won't be the case with cards like this um but yeah so kind of just now opening the floor to very hypothetical questions. What are y'all's... I, I'm going to ask you two questions. What are y'all's hopes for the mini expansion regarding Cards for Wild? And then what are your expectations? Because I know that they might not be the same. 
Uh, my hope, like my biggest hope for this, is that impactful corrupt cards are printed. Like Yasharge is such a fun card with just like playing him in LPG Mage with um, uh, the Fireworks Elemental and the Medic card alone. Um, I feel like he's really fun, and I'd like to see more of him. But a lot of the corrupt cards are kind of bad, so yeah. having more of them would make it more playable. Yeah, I I don't really have specific hopes for the set. I never quite know how to like answer that question when it comes up when people ask in the chat like, oh, what do you hope from the new ex expansion? Because it could be literally anything, mm -hmm. and it's hard to sort of for me to get my head around that. Um, in general, though, it's the same as always, right? Like you hope that they push the tier three, tier four archetypes. You hope that they don't like give more and more support to the the current best stuff. Um, and like I said, like the fact that they have already like leaked that there will be dual class cards i think that's a, such a like it's a, such a great deal um and just like a, a great part of the set i think if they do go down down that route so mm. for me it's like that's already sort of exceeding my hopes <laughs> from yeah. from like a mini set like that like it's i feel like they're already doing it the right way just on base what, what we know right now yeah i i'm kind of like along both of y'all's like lines uh i'm hoping that they bring support for like not only your charge and corrupt cards, but also like n the new Nizar, where like mm. that even with our wild kind of pool of cards, really doesn't have great like impact um, outside of like Warrior. Warrior has like the best resurrect targets, but like Control Warrior with Nizar doesn't really see a lot of play. Mm -hmm. um, and then like LPG, you see a few people playing Nizar, but your targets are like Zeph and Ziliax and. Like sometimes an Astromancer Solarian if you get to that point. Um, and then like whatever dragon you hit, right, if you're running that package. And so it's not there's not great targets, and it felt like there should be great targets in our in our huge pool. So I'm hoping for more support from that. But I'm also hoping for support like um, archetypes that were pushed in Dark Moon Fair that don't really see play in standard. So stuff like Shuffle Rogue. I know I love this deck and I know I talk about it a lot, but that was like a strategy that's been pushed in standard that really hasn't taken off for whatever reason in standard it might just be because like the miracle rogue decks are super bonkers but maybe they print like another card or two to push that deck in standard that helps us out in wild so yeah i, I think it's standard the biggest thing is that they only really have the stowaway is mm -hmm. I, like the stowaway is like the payoff and then the ticket so they don't have the strider and you kind of yeah. really need that sort of consistency uh which you have in wild right but if they try and push it even more uh, in standard, then yeah, I think Wild Shuffle Rogue is actually very close to being quite real and so, being, you know, so another shuffle quite a card deck. is what you're saying, right? We're gonna get another, um, one. either like another fetcher or another shuffle card, like it doesn't really matter either way. It's like as long as you're making those payoffs very consistent, that's what you really need, right? Yeah. Just like being how able much, to do that big stowaway swing. How much better do you think the deck would be if the Ticketmaster had Battle Cry instead of Death Rattle? Oh, it'd be so much better because you run all the bounce effects, anyways. I feel like with Shadow oh, Stabs and Tenwu, so yeah. I would. I would love it if it'd be a battle cry. Whenever I play that deck, I I feel like I deliberately trade off the Ticketmaster when I would try to do like value trades or just push mm -hmm. face or stuff like that. You know, mm -hmm. I feel like if I just got the tickets right away and then could use the body however I would otherwise want to, it would be a little bit better. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But like I think in general, I'm I'm really hoping for more of these buffs to like tier three, tier four decks, which is what we got from Dark Moon Fair. But Dark Moon Fair also gave us buffs to, to Seeker Mage, right? So you don't really see them, but we did get a lot of buffs to these tier 4, tier 5 archetypes, and I'm hoping we get more of those. Um, my expectations are, like, Alec did say that they 
did think a couple of the cards in the 35 were going to have a big impact on our format. And so I don't know what decks they think that they're going to be pushing into being viable meta decks, but we'll see. But yeah, and, and then speaking about Alec, let's talk about... Uh, we talked about last week when Edwin got nerfed, um, that they were planning on unnerfing him upon Rotate. Uh, a little bit after we recorded the episode last week, uh, we got further comments from Alec talking about how um, he never actually confirmed that Edwin was going to be rotated to the Hall of Fame. He, he made it explicit that that wasn't the case. Uh, and so it made a lot of people, us included, think about um, there's probably going to be something in coordination with this classic and basic set rework that they've been talking about. Um, kind of equating to a rotating basic set. Um, and so for those of you guys that don't really know what a rotating basic set is, is basically every year they will change out what's in classic and st uh, the basic and classic cards of a set. Um, and while a lot of them might stay the same, they'll be changing up stuff. So you don't always have prep in Rogue, for example, uh, which might let them print certain strategies in standard without having to worry or balance them around cards like prep or or wild growth for example um, and so what are you guys thoughts about that are you excited about a potential rotating basic set yeah i i don't know if like the rotating basic set is what they will end up doing i think like yeah. that's an option i think it's also possible that they simply um you know based off what alex said i think uh, it's a real possibility that they just rotate classic and then they expand upon the basic set they kind of just, like rework that from the ground up mm, okay um and they just like that way that that way like there's no more classic so you don't have to worry about like getting new players like getting their classic packs and there's like a bigger card pool the players can use as their basic things they don't have to keep spending as much and they can just like rework every class uh like that so that would be another way that i think they could do it um either way i i think the you know this has kind of been hinted at and it's been coming for a very long time so i would very much like to see it i mean like really pushing this idea of like needing to redo classic and re needing to redo basic. And it was why I was so, I think it's so regretful that when they first made wild, they made these comments about how you'll always be able to play your classic cards and they'll mm -hmm. never rotate and stuff. Um, because I think they kind of limited themselves to what was the, the right thing to do. And I think now enough years have passed and the, the play base is different. They're entrenched like it's long-term players that play Hearthstone. And I feel like now they can finally do what they probably should have always done, which is do a more dramatic rework, um, which I'm very excited for. I don't dare to hope that they'll rotate the whole classic set because I want it to do that. <laughs> yeah. the, the whole point of standard is that you can not have to design new cards around all the cards ever created and that standard and wild can feel different. Mm -hmm. uh, and having the classic and basic cards there eternally means that uh, standard and wild always feel a little bit the same. And I think like for me personally, the, the time where I've had the least enthusiasm for Hearthstone has been when Baku has been in both formats. And I was always playing against odd rogue and odd paladin, no matter which format I was in. So it mm -hmm. helped a lot to have a complete separation of what cards are in the formats. Yeah, maybe maybe a rotating basic set is a little bit too much to hope for because that means they're basically going to be printing a new like classic set like every every year or two. But I also would love to see what they could do if like prep wasn't in standard for a year, right? And see what new things Rogue could get, or if 
wild growth wasn't a card in every druid deck for all of history what could they do with the class of druid and so i would love to see stuff like that but i also i think the big thing is you have to be wary of cost right because you did make this promise of like you'll always be able to use these cards and if you kind of take them away and you make people buy a new classic set i think a lot of people are going to be really mad about that and so if regardless of what they do i think you need to make sure that you're giving these cards for for free or for a very very heavy discount um and, and so where that's why i think like the basic like expanding the basic set and just rotating classic kind of makes the most sense to me because everybody gets the basic cards for free anyways so it makes a lot of sense but i'm excited to see what they do uh regardless because i'm expecting that whenever the rotation happens in april usually is when it is but whenever it happens i'm excited for all the huge shakeups that are going to happen um yeah i I dare not to get my hopes up (laughs) (laughs) yeah um okay yeah and so then for like the last back half of this episode, uh, we want to kind of dive into a lot of the tweets that Ixar had during his most recent AMA. So if you guys don't know, uh, Dean Ayala or Ixar, one of the lead, um, one of the leads for the Hearthstone team, uh, is doing these weekly Q and A segments over on Twitter. Uh, he's planning on doing them every Wednesday. We'll see how long it <laughs> how long it goes on until <laughs> until the Twitter sphere pisses him off enough that he doesn't do it. Um, Yikes. But yeah, so let's let's just talk about some of the highlights. Uh, so he didn't really talk a lot about the wild format, but he did talk a lot about kind of um, mechanics that are prevalent in wild moving forward uh, with a lot of new sets, nerfs and buffs, um, and some specific cards. So let's just go ahead and talk about it. So they uh, he he touched on a lot of kind of older mechanics such as inspire uh, and hand buff. So inspire was the TGT mechanics. So every time you use your hero power, you get a special effect on a minion. Um, and so they said that they designed Inspire weak as, like, uh, on purpose because they weren't sold on the gameplay and had no time to redesign it uh, completely. And so that kind of led to TGT historically being one of the worst expansions ever. I think it's up there with like Rastakhan's Rumble in a lot of people's eyes mm-hmm. as the worst expansions ever. Um, and I kind of agree. I think Inspire was a very snowball-y mechanic to begin with, and I'm kind of glad that Inspire is not super popular. Uh, what were you guys initial like? What are what are y'all what are y'all's feels on Inspire? You uh, I went through uh, TGT recently, um, like a couple months ago. Recently, I feel like the set has actually aged pretty well. There are a lot mm-hmm. of staples that still see a lot of play to this day, um, and obviously, like power cards like Spawn of Shadows that were hot garbage at the time are pretty strong now. Um, Inspire things can be both powerful and reasonable. Uh, like I like the ones that came out for Hunter recently, the one that mm-hmm. fetches the secret mm-hmm. and the one that deals five to face. Like I think those cards are kind of fun, so it's doable. I I always found Inspire to be yeah, it's like a super snowballing mechanic. It's sort of it creates a gameplay where once you get ahead, uh, you kind of never stop, especially at the time of TGT, right? Mm-hmm. There's like there was no rush. For example and i think that rush is sort of an example of like why you know boards swing back and forth so much nowadays whereas back in the time of tgt it was a lot more like if you got ahead you kind of stayed ahead which is where inspires the worst it was a lot more like arena-esque um and so this this is actually interesting right they're kind of revealing like that they didn't really have enough time to sort of rework things um which i find really interesting but yeah i, I also totally agree with what martian said about 
how TGT has actually kind of aged decently. Mm -hmm. And part of that, I think, is because some of the decks now use the hero power in ways that they weren't at the time. So like Baku Gen decks or, you know, yeah. um, there's, a, there's a certain one in Priest that I can think of. Um, I don't know if you guys recall, but yeah, there's a couple of good cards that are still around and staples for sure. Yeah, speaking of aging well, let's talk about, about hand buff. So they talked about... Um, so Mean Streets of Gadgets in, for those of you guys that weren't around in that time, the whole thing with Gadgets in was there was these three warring tribes or gangs, or I don't really know what they called them, um, but they had yeah. the Jades powered, like, with Aya, they had uh, uh, the Cabal, right? Reno Priest. And, the, and the, the last one was the Pirates, right? Yeah, totally Pirate. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, hand Buff, right, was the last one. Uh, uh. And Hand Buff freaking don honcho right that's the legendary <laughs> for the hand buffs oh no that card is the so dawn. bad by the way but anyways they th they talked about how hand buff and mean streets could have been stronger they didn't get the power level right and they specifically talked about the better legendary um but speaking of aging uh aging well i think hand buff is actually specifically inman in his hand buff paladin um thanks to all the rush cards that have been printed recently um i think hand buff is getting a little bit time to shine i think the hand buff paladin actually is a very legit powerful deck um and, and i i'm kind of okay that they didn't make the hand buff cards powerful at the time because imagine if like with animated brooms yeah. and all the rush cards now if all the hand buff was insane right we'd be crying for hand buff nerfs imagine yeah that. i mean uh the hand buffs cards like they were kind of feared for arena and they were actually insane in arena mm -hmm. at the time um but the thing that stopped it from constructed is right there's a big difference between stats in your hand and stats on the board and so like you hadn't really no way of sort of recovering and getting back in like in control like once yeah. you had sort of developed the stuff so yeah with rush and all these little kind of things that let you sort of recover uh, I mean, it's a big difference right between what we can do now and what we can do then so i think hand buff palady like you know you know like hand buff is a sleeper sort of it's not like the best deck in the format but it's definitely completely underplayed and we've seen it consistently do pretty well uh, at high legend by a couple players it hit um, rank so one yeah. legend on an a uh, a bad deck can't do that even in wild so i mean you have to give it a little bit of props right it's surprising how long they've been like in top 20-ish legends and it hasn't caught on at all like i never see anyone it's, yeah it's weird you, you know what's happened it's because nobody like inman didn't make a tweet when he hit rank one legend with handbuff paladin and so therefore it never caught on virally with the player base like as sad as that it is does. i feel like that's that's kind of the reason right it certainly circles back to this sort of like uh idea that meowth and i we've talked about in previous episodes about how wild can kind of just be shaped by just a couple people or just like an event like a like a rank one legend tweet um and how things can kind of just you know like very few people can exert sort of a lot of influence sometimes on like what sees play and because like there aren't that many streamers or aren't any streamers uh for example just like maining hand buff paladin and kind of saying hey everyone should play hand buff paladin um it just doesn't catch on so that's also true in standard but you know it, it's also like happens in wild all right and so let's revisit some of the uh kind of more gameplay mechanics so they talked about dual class cards coming back in what, what were they called dark moon races and i know it's something that corbett and i have talked a lot about um First of all, Martian, what are your opinion about dual class cards? Do you like them, hate them, love them? I think one of the biggest problems with Hearthstone is how many cards are locked behind um, specific classes. So if you go to pretty much any other card game, 
there's a lot more like for magic for example you can put any two cards in the same deck you just have to balance it with your mana system mm -hmm. but hearthstone does it differently where they're completely locked out by the class system and that has led me to believe that there are too many classes in in hearthstone so like each class pretty much always has only one thing that they can do at a time because they have access to only neutral cards and their small slice of competitive cards so i think adding more dual class cards is really good for diversity yeah i, I agree i think dual class is why we saw stuff like barov right because barov would not be a warrior specific card that was printed um because of the the, the whole equality effect was that that's a paladin effect and i think getting more cards like that um it, it gave not only paladin a super strong card but it also gave warrior a super strong card and i'm excited to see what they can do with more of these uh dual class cards um and and dean was talking about would hearthstone be more fun if dual class was like a permanent thing that they revisited in every expansion and my opinion is yes but like i also don't want them to do, overdo it where they have like five or six dual class cards every expansion like they did for school and academy and if they just do like one or two dual class cards but also like change it up right don't always have it be warrior paladin don't always have it be warlock and demon hunter if you could swap it up somehow so like warlock and warrior somehow have a dual class card i think it unlocks a lot of interesting game design and also unlocks things for classes that they don't normally have access to which i think would be awesome man it, it's it's so crazy the um kind of the fear and like the the difference in what we had with the tri-class cards and sort of like how that kind of went poorly in a lot of ways back in Gadget Sand mm -hmm. and then what the actual like massive success the dual class was in Skullamance. Um I love them. Like I love them so much. I totally agree with the the idea that Dean kind of presented, which was that would Harston be better if this is kind of always a thing? Yeah, I think so. I think it'd be great. Um, I think that like Marsh is talking about the, the number of classes in Hearthstone and sort of like how it locks classes into doing one specific niche thing. Um, that is definitely like a limitation of this this game, right? Where you have the 10 entire classes. It's so hard to just balance them all at once, let alone kind of give them different options within the class. And I think that like dual class as a mechanic just inherently does that by itself. Um, and they, it turns out like I was worried that they wouldn't be able to balance the classes that well, but it turns out that it was fine for the most part. Like they, they were able to kind of manage that even with the dual class cards. Um, so yeah, like I, I'm happy that they're kind of apparently revisiting it in the uh, adventure too. Um, I do think that the big difference between the, the dual class and the tri class, as far as their success is they didn't shoehorn themselves with the, uh, the dual class ones, the tri class mm -hmm. cards all had like, you know, all the tri class cards were either jades or they were hand buff or they were potions, I guess. Yeah. Highlander. So like uh they didn't limit themselves to anything that I could tell. They just kinda designed what they thought would be good dual class cards. Yeah. Just design cool stuff and kinda let the players do whatever. Yeah. Moving on, Dean talked about the graveyard situation, which is something that a lot of people have brought up in Hearthstone like throughout the years. Uh I think it mainly specifically comes towards Big Priest. Uh as much as people love to hate on Big Priest. A lot of people love Big Priest. Um, and they've talked about it on the team, apparently. They talked about having a graveyard um, where it's like a good theme and it's a good design space that they haven't explored yet. Uh, but the reason that they haven't touched on it uh, is because they're not sure how to visualize it or if it's worth the additional like UI work that it would take. Um, and 
it would have to make the game more fun, right? And so, so like, something that I've always held is the reason that they haven't really touched uh, the graveyard mechanic is because at this point, Hearthstone at its core is a very simple game, especially in comparison to a lot of other card games that are out there in the space. And so I feel like adding a graveyard adds a whole other layer of complexity to the game that a lot of players aren't going to use or need or really take advantage of. Right? I think the only deck that really abuses is specifically Big Priest. Right? I don't really know if there's another deck out there that does, um, to my to my knowledge. And so mm. uh, I don't I don't really know how relevant this is. I would love, obviously, I would love to have something like that. But I mean, what are y'all's thoughts about about a graveyard mechanic? And should they should they look into adding it, or do you think it's not worth? It? I think kind of along the lines of what you were saying, it's just it's a level of complexity that I don't think, like. I don't think it's necessary. Uh, the it's going to be hard to keep track of if it doesn't have something visual. So, like for example, if when your obsidian statue dies, um, you can only bring it back one time. Hmm. So you have to, you should be able to like check that, or it should work the way it does now. And I don't think that like clicking a button and showing the graveyard is something that Hearthstone needs. I think its simplicity is what makes it a good game. Mm -hmm. Like, I think you can open up some potential, like, Warlock Reanimator deck, right? Or something like that to go along with Big Priest, like, thematically. But it also doesn't really seem worth it for all the work that they would have to go through. And also, like, redesigning all of the, like, Resurrect Effect cards um, with this new Graveyard mechanic to make it obvious of what they do. So, you know, I while I would love a Graveyard, I would have loved it from, like, the very beginning. But at this point, it doesn't really feel like it's worth it. Yeah, and so then Dean touched a little bit about nerfs and buffs because this was happening a couple of days after they had recently announced it and sent the wild or the standard nerfs for Edwin and uh, Box My Knuckles. And so we talked about nowadays they try to nerf cards in a way that doesn't make a deck feel worthless, which I think is great. They're not warsonging cards anymore. Um, and like the, <laughs> the investment of dust for the entire deck built around those cards doesn't feel like it's a waste now. Um, and then they talked about specifically candidates for nerfs. Uh, the nerfs are almost always directed at metagame health and overall player experience. Um, and then the reason that they do nerfs over buffs, even though that's something that I think the player base as a whole you know, might like to see, um, they say that buffs are generally weaker at changing a metagame for the better so that they do them less frequently uh, than they do nerfs. So I think... I mean, what are y'all's opinions about his comments about nerfs and buffs? I think they're pretty spot on with what we've been feeling uh, the past like year or so. Um, what about what do you guys think? I am always so excited whenever they buff something, and it could be something like, you know, uh, Libra and Paladin hasn't been that effective in Wild, but it's been really fun, and it wouldn't be that way if you couldn't tutor um, Aldor Attendant off of Christology. Uh, I think that when things are nerfed, even if they're problematic, I feel like it's a bit of a bummer because something powerful is now kind of bogus and having a little buff in there here and there kind of takes the sting off a bit. So I, I wish that whenever they would nerf anything, they'd always buff something that's unperforming, underperforming, just so that I can be stoked about the balance change and not just bummed out. Yeah, I think that's a really good point about the, you know, if they're gonna take something away, then they should probably give something back in some ways. Um, at the same time, I totally understand uh, Dean's sort of what he's he kind of outlined about how um, the the dangers of buffing compared to nerfing. Where he he talked about like generally if you're nerfing, uh, you're trying to take a deck that's like 20% the meta 
and down to like make maybe five or something and you have like a really big window where you can kind of get the answer right whereas where you're buffing you're trying to say take something that's maybe like one or two or three percent of the meta and maybe make it more like eight or ten and it's actually really really difficult um so i think that like when they hit the, when they did the whole the buffs with christology and galaxy and extra arms um some of them obviously hit and were, were good but a lot of them were kind of really overpowered <laughs> in some ways uh, and they kind of did some damage i think to the standard format so I think the buffs in general are just like really, really difficult to get right. I think that in an ideal world, um, you you are able to do things like Totem Goliath or the the Libram cards. Um, but also the Libram cards, like it would have maybe only been one more card and you would have had a, a, another nerf candidate kind of thing. Like it wasn't, the margin of error is super, super fine there where Libram is such a strong like archetype and standard. And it wouldn't have taken that much to kind of push it over the edge. So I think buffs are good, but they have to be done very, very carefully. And I think like trickling them here, here and there with nerfs, you know, for underperforming archetypes and making very small adjustments, I think that would be a good thing uh, that we'd hope to see more of in the future. Let me let me pose another question because I, I agree with what you're saying, uh, but I would also say uh, they they have been doing things like small buffs when they had been doing nerfs, right? So the Libram cards, they buffed while they were nerfing other cards. Um, when they nerfed Dark Lair, they buffed Totem Goliath and they buffed uh, Arc Witch Willow, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so they, they have been doing that. I would love to see them do, like, if they have to make wild-specific changes, right? Like, let's say they, they do eventually nerf, like, Secret Mage, Dark Lair, Warlock, Wiener Priest, whatever. Let's say they do eventually nerf those, hypothetically. I would love to see them also, at the same time, give us, like, some buffs uh, to Hunter cards or Paladin cards that have been, like, underperforming right and like wild specific cards that are very obviously not at the high power level because it gives you that bigger like a margin for error right because hunter right now is so far off from being a top tier deck that like i think you can afford to give them a couple of big boos is that something that you'd yeah. like to see i think that would be good but i also feel like it just goes against everything that they've kind of talked about what they want from mm -hmm. wild okay. the idea of sort of like buffing these old kind of useless cards it just feels like a complete contradiction to what the team has generally presented as their sort of um you know vision of wild i suppose like the the idea of some crappy you know two two hunter card all of a sudden becoming sort of like the best card in a deck feels strange um but yeah i i mean i'd be happy to see it <laughs> like if i was in charge of the team i'd probably be buffing stuff and making these more frequent changes in wild um but i'm not so, you know, we'll wait and see what we get. I would love it if they were extremely liberal about trying buffing cards that are underperforming and unnerfing cards that were nerfed for standard. Uh, they just need to be quicker to re-nerf them or unbuff them if they are problematic for an extended period of time. I think the only reason that buffs and, nerf and unnerfs are scary is because they take so long to address things when they get out of control in wild. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, Martian is like uh, a streamer, someone who's like sort of in the top, like, you know, point whatever player base in terms of like the investment that you have in the game, how much you play it and stuff. Um, naturally, there's always pushback in the comments and stuff, the idea that wild is wild and that there shouldn't be any balance changes and all that kind of thing. How do you feel? Do you think that the idea of buffs and nerfs in wild specifically, do you think that's maybe a bias because you're a person that does play the game a ton 
and that the team should be sort of catering towards you? Or do you just think it's like a generally good thing for the format and something that would help in general and something that they should be more liberal with, like you said? Before I was ever streaming, I had this opinion. So like when, like I'm yeah. always sad when they nerf my stuff. Um, I'm always like, I was brokenhearted when they nerfed Raza the first time. I think they should, <laughs> I think they should re-nerf it. Uh, that is uh -huh. my opinion now. But uh, <laughs> hearing hearing that they were going to unnerf it was like, ah, and that was before I was streaming. So yeah. I I do think that like I appreciate the hesitant hand to nerf things in Wild. I don't think it needs to be quite as hesitant as it is. But I do think like if you know. A couple years ago, or a couple years from now, Reno's at eight and Void Collar's at six, and like all the cards that I've fallen in love with over the years are garbage. Then why aren't I playing standard? So like mm -hmm. they need to, they need to like go after problematic things when they're problematic, like to the degree that some of the decks that currently are problematic are problematic. But I don't like you know, just something's been strong for too long. It needs a nerf type of nerfs. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I echo that sentiment. I I would also just I, I always reiterate the point, like just because it's wild, right, doesn't mean that it can't be balanced. And I don't that doesn't mean that like we can't have strong decks. It's just like the strong decks are, you know, in balance with other strong decks in the format. But I also would say that a lot of people are hesitant for nerfs because they don't want their powerful stuff being touched. But I also like isn't that even more reason to give us buffs in the format to experiment with those? Because I don't think anybody's mad are going to be mad that certain cards are getting buffed because most of the time they probably don't own that card anyways, right? And and I think it'll change the meta up maybe like a very minimal amount, but it gives people more toys to play with and maybe occasionally you'll make a, a deck more viable. So that's just kind of my general opinion. But uh, speaking of nerfs and buffs, let's talk about Animated Broomstick. This is a, a card that's been on the tongue of a lot of people in Standard and Wild. Um, and so mm -hmm. Dean was asked about that. Uh, and his opinion about the power level of the, of the card. And he's talked about animated broomstick has been discussed, but it's interesting and it makes the game different uh, as like the reason for why they haven't touched it yet. Uh, Martian, what is your opinion about animated broomstick? I know Corbett and I have talked about this a lot recently. Uh, what is your opinion about this card? It's one mana. It's a neutral. It gives your entire board rush. Um, I just... If if not all of those things were true, I might like the card, but it's it's in neutral and it costs one mana. So every time anything is easy to get onto the board, Broom breaks that card. So like I think that it pushes the format towards like it disincentivizes you to actually fight for the board to like try to have a, a presence because as soon as your opponent is able to put anything on the board, it can trade into your stuff. So I think it pushes the um the meta in a direction of hyper aggro and combo, which are things that I like to be in the game, but I don't like them to be defining the game. I, I think giving decks that haven't historically had comeback mechanisms and giving them a comeback mechanism in addition to the ability of like not having to fight for board and then all of a sudden you get the board back without having to play like a board wipe in your deck, I think is a super powerful card. Um, it's also a flavor fail. It should give one thing rush. Or at most uh... two, right? At most two. Well, there's uh... no way that four giants can ride on a freaking broomstick. Okay? <laughs> like, there's no way. Typically, you see one witch on a broom, right? Yeah. So I, I would say give it. I, I've heard the adjacent minions. I think, like, giving two giants rush is still a giant too many. Um, mm -hmm. But, like, 
it, it could it could give one thing rush at one mana and have rush itself and i think that would be still at least kind of strong and not busted well um, let me press you on this do you think that it makes the game different do you think it makes the game more interesting like dean says in his tweet i do think it makes the game different i think it makes it less interesting i think having having decks fight for presence on the board is what makes hearthstone interesting that should at least be part of every game's like uh every game's how it plays out is people trying to stick something on the board so that it can attack and trade the next turn and i think rush is is good when it's designed well but i think like one thing that gives your entire board rush is just way over the top I think uh, I think there are some matchups where Broom actually makes it more interesting, and some where it doesn't. For example, in the Darkland Mirror, I think Broomstick is actually probably the most important card in making that matchup feel somewhat engaging. Because if the matchup was just like whoever vomited out the giants first wins, and like there was nothing else the opponent could do, then it would be much much worse than now, where you know at least now if like the second player pops off, they can at least swing the board back and sort of like trade giant for giant and you know kind of go even um but against something you know different like odd paladin you know odd paladin to dark lair i don't think the broomstick makes the pally go oh wow that was a great game that was really fun um <laughs> so i i think it just depends situationally like in matchups where swings are important otherwise the game just ends it's good in games where the dark lair is kind of just like locking people out or broomstick in general it's just locking people out from being able to win then it feels sort of feels bad um so yeah no, it just depends i think i think that the dark layer mirror you could do sun fury protector and or shadow flame to kind of get that same uh interplay going on like i think they do have some ability outside of broomstick to have interplay with each other but it's not worth exploring because you have one mana give your whole board <laughs> rush yeah yeah i also i hate the fact that like moving even moving away from dark layer that a lot of decks have kind of been built, like have built their namesake on being able to keep other decks off the board, right? Because board presence is such an important strategy for a lot of aggressive decks right now. And so like, that's why even Shaman used to be such a powerful deck is because it could keep other decks off the board. And now with Broomstick, it feels like, well, I've kept this Odd Paladin off the board for four turns, but then they went Barker, double loss in the jungle Broomstick, and now all of a sudden I don't have a board anymore and there's no way I can come back, right? And so it kind of, I feel like, removes the role of a lot of decks and, and cards specifically from the metagame just because now you have ways to come back into the game which I guess that's not a bad thing but I'm also like I don't know do you think giving decks like Odd Paladin a way to get back into the game is a is a bad thing or like letting Odd Paladin have a clear weakness of if I can keep Odd Paladin off the board then that it's good but Odd Paladin is so good at getting on board that it, that's its strength you know I don't know if I'm making a ton of sense here, but I think it just depends, like whether what you're doing is sort of like scaling in a fair way, right? There's obviously a big difference mm -hmm. between zero mana eight eight giants coming down on the same turn as broomstick and a couple one ones. Um, so yeah, I, I, again, I, I just think it's like in some decks, broomstick feels like a good piece and can be interesting i suppose but in other ones uh, in other situations it's not um I i'm kind of defending broomstick in some ways here but i'm also just to make it very clear i'm on the uh you know nerf broomstick uh, train <laughs> like just so that doesn't get confused 
Um, but yeah, I just think it's a sort of a little hit and miss. Yeah. Um, and then let's talk about kind of the last big tweet to talk about. Uh, when designing powerful and even polarizing cards, uh, such as Ticketus, what strategies and tools do y'all use in determining balance? So cards of this nature typically incite player frustration. And so what standards and properties are focused in designing these types of cards? So basically super either swingy or like kind of unfun cards is what, are what they're talking about. Um, and so they talk about the fact that some people do love playing these cards. As many as many people that do hate playing these cards or playing against them, there are those people that do really truly enjoy playing them, right? It's like the big priest scenario all over again. Um, and so they play your game because these cards exist. They are mean and they like to do mean things. And the idea of destroying <laughs> their opponent's cards gives them cackle-worthy joy. Because of this, we want to make something for that player. Because they can be so frustrating, we don't want them to be too powerful. Um, a mean person that loves mean stuff gets their toy to use, but most players aren't regularly exposed to it. That's the dream. But if Ticketus was meta and was in 20% of decks, you're skeptical, or he's skeptical that it's good for Hearthstone in the same way that it wasn't great for Shutterwalk being a tier 1 deck or for Freeze Mage to be the most popular thing. So probably uh, along the same lines, stuff like Turtle Mage. Right? This is probably the reason why they nerfed Turtle Mage. They didn't want Turtle Mage yeah. being 20% of the metagame. Um, so what do you guys think about this statement? Do you guys think that cards like tickets should be in the in the game? And, and if they should be in the game, should they be powerful powerful tools in some of the best decks in the format? What are y'all's thoughts? I think uh, I I like those type of strategies. I like Nomferatu. I like doing the brand Nomferatu Zola uh, shenanigans. Um, I think maybe one of the problems with Ticketus is how good of a tempo play it is once it's corrupted. So you're playing an 8-8 in addition to destroying a bunch of your, your opponent's stuff. Maybe it would be a more interesting card if um, during his normal form when he had the drawback, he was a strong minion. And during his corrupted form, if he was a weak minion, but it destroyed your opponent's deck instead, maybe it would be easier to swallow. But it is kind of a 6-mana 8-8 that destroys a bunch of your opponent's deck once it's corrupted. Maybe that's part of why it feels bad. Yeah, I uh, I also like a lot of these types of strategies personally. Uh, like I'm a big fan of um, kind of what Freeze Mage is able to do. Shadow Walk Up is less so. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I, I think in general though, what he's saying is all spot on, right? Like the the idea is, hey, how can we make the game the most fun? And while there's definitely people that like these sort of strategies, it's about sort of like appealing to the masses in a lot of ways. Um, and so, you know, giving people options to play things like Shadowwalk and, and Turtle Mage and things like that are good, but it's not necessarily something that you want to be super strong and, you know, seeing everywhere. So I think that the way that they nerfed Turtle Mage was actually quite interesting because Turtle Mage was not nearly 20% of the meta. Turtle Mage was like a lot closer to five or something, um, even at higher ranks. So the fact that they did make the, the Swift like kind of hit on that um it did give like a lot of indication that they uh you know they're very willing to nerf these sort of strategies and if ticketers was actually good i think it would be hit pretty pretty quickly if it was um good. <laughs> yeah if it was good which it isn't um <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah uh All right, so what i just got from y'all's two answers is you guys are both mean people right you're the mean people that dean's talking about yeah pretty much mm -hmm. a little bit yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I like cards like this. Is like I like decks like Shadowwalk Shaman and, and Freeze Mage, where like at the ultimate end goal, you have this super degenerate way of winning the game. 
but I like them as long as they are like counters and answers in the metagame, right? And I think right now, like, the answer is like dirty rat the ticket disc before they mill your deck, but then you're dirty ratting an 8 8, and you're like, okay, well, now what? So, mm-hmm. um, I, that's always my drawback. Like, I'm okay with these cards printing because, like, while I generally, generally don't love playing them, I. I know that some people do, right? Like, and you want to print cards for everybody to to play and have fun, but if there's not a good way to answer the the super mean strategy, then it then it gets really really annoying. Hmm. <laughs> um, Their philosophy is how I feel about like random created by. By the way, hmm. like I'm totally cool with Yogstron being a card. I just don't want it to be remotely competitive. Like, yeah, yeah it I should agree. be a card that you play like if you want to have fun shenanigan times but like i don't want to see it in top 100 legend i don't want to see it defining tournaments yeah that's true, that's true. all right so we dove deep into into dean's q a uh there's a lot of stuff here and i'm i'm really glad uh that he's doing this on a more regular basis i'm looking forward to kind of covering some of the details of what he talks about uh every week moving forward on our on our podcast um but yeah so let's move on to our last segment of the week we're going to be talking about our decks of the week uh, so these are meta or off-meta decks, whatever we've been playing and enjoying this week uh, that we wanted to share with you guys. Uh, Martian, since you are our guest, do you want to share your deck first? Sure. Um, I've been... Uh, like Standard discovered the Red Scale Dragon Tamer Nas Dormu, the Timeless Synergy um, a couple weeks ago or something like that. And uh, so I tried it out in what is a fun Librem deck that I used to play a lot in... Uh, like Skullamance early on. Um, it's really fun to be able to go to 10 mana immediately. This deck used to have Uther, Beardo, Tour Guide in it, but I felt like I got to 10 too quickly without assembling my pieces, so I cut them for <laughs> the, uh, the Aedith combo. Um, it's pretty gnarly. It's really fun to be able to, like, on turn five or six, uh, drop down an Echoing Ooze and put a Spike Ridge Steed on it and beat an aggro deck on the spot. This uh, this deck is actually super sweet. I my like the gears are turning with the uh, red scale <laughs> noz. I think that's like a, that's like a package that can be kind of broken in the future, right? Like that's that's a thing that can be built around. The, the, the dragon same tam- thing. The dragon tamer is a murloc, right? Unfortunately, right. Uh, so you can't do like the anything combo with that, mm. or like the tip the scales light a sour deck. Yeah, um, no, this deck's sweet. I really like this. Uh, like we've played, uh, me up and I've each played a ton of other Librem uh, variants, but this is the first time I'm seeing something like this with this kind of uh, look. So yeah, Martian, this is really sick. It's pretty fun. Like you get to do degenerate things like put Librem of Hope on the Vorax so that it targets the Vorax and then targets the plant for two eight eights and Ooh. make a ton of Librems and. Uh, Put all your Librams on Adis, have her deal a bunch of damage, and play Liadrin in the same turn for more Librams, for more Adis damage. It's, uh, it's really fun. Wait, you just made Vorax sound competitive. And now, <laughs> now you got me, all right, when you said that Vorax could be sort of competitive. Mm. Yeah, I, I crafted the Vorax Golden a while ago, and I referred to oh, this no. as Vorax Paladin. <laughs> so, uh, oh, no. He's pretty legit. He is, you know, he's kind of a pet card. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll add that disclaimer, but he, uh, Echoing Ooze, I think, is like, you know, you can tutor it with the Crystology, and mm-hmm. uh, it costs two mana, which is half the as much as Vorax. But uh, Vorax has a lot of a lot of games where he he really shines. I I'm excited to actually try this out. This actually looks like a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Corbett. Let's talk about your weekly dust bait. What you got for us this week? 
Oh, I have beautiful bait weed for you guys. Um, some fantastic dust bait here. Uh, it's kind of just like a wild take on the standard Miracle Rogue. Um, so it's kind of building around that whole Edwin Foxy package. But in wild, we get access to a couple of really sick cards. Uh, one, we have Bite Weed, aka Bait Weed. Just sort of like Edwin Van Leaf. It's the mini Edwin. Um, works really, really well, actually. Uh, <laughs> I was originally using the questing adventurers, like in standard. And then someone in my chat was like, hey, what about this card? Because it actually combines well with Boxy. And yeah, uh, it's actually been really, really fun and like, like super sick and actually effective. In Wild as well, we get the counterfeit coins, which can kind of allow for some more insane early game pop-ups, like a juicy turn one Edwin that's like a 12-12 or something, um, which is good, even post-nerf. Um, so yeah, this deck has been a ton of fun. If you've been playing the standard version of Miracle Rogue and you kind of want to try something a little similar in Wild, uh, I'd give this a shot. How crazy is the World Kick kind of variance? Because I know... In standard, it's not terrible, but in wild, I feel like there are so many bad combo cards out there. Do you find yourself like actually happy to be playing World Kick, or is it just more for gas for the bite weeds in the Edwin? Um, World Kick is something that I'm kind of just testing. I did have Minstrel in here before the World Kick. Um, similar idea, right? Just like refill, but the Minstrel felt quite clunky, um, so I kind of went away from them a little bit. So yeah, uh, World Kick is something that I'm kind of just like testing, and I might I might end up replacing it. If I can find something else that gives, uh, you know, value. What about that that five mana three two that draws cards for combo for every other card you played? <laughs> yeah, that's one of the cards you never want to see off the world kick. So I don't know if you actually <laughs> want to put it in your deck. Okay, damn. Um, <laughs> I don't even know the name of the card. I I, know, I can see it in my head, but I don't know the name of the card. So. I, I think I played it probably four times today when playing standard, and I have no idea what it's called. All I know is like, oh, I, in my head, I refer to it as, oh crap, not that again. <laughs> so. uh, and then the roles have completely swapped. I'm bringing probably the closest thing to a meta deck uh, out of the three of us, which is weird. Um, but I've been doing a lot of meta deck roulette on my stream, so I haven't been playing too many things that are super kind of out there or fun. But Pirate Warriors, so this is a deck we talked a little bit about last week uh, when we were talking about the Vicious Syndicate report, about how it looked like maybe it had this role as like a, a meta game like a meta breaker um and i've been playing a lot of it been doing a lot of kind of messing around with the list specifically testing cutting class and voracious readers and stuff like that um but dude pirate warrior actually feels like legit it has game into secret mage uh it has game into dark Lair warlock you just really don't want to see reno priest okay that's the one deck you don't want to see because you know uh traditional arena priest things but the, the deck is a ton of fun uh the the sword eaters man i this card is so good dude i don't know if we like slept on it during card reveals or we just kind of assumed it was too expensive for pirate warrior but like you know discord warlock has a ton of draw and i think pirate warrior is getting to that point because the sword eaters uh with the anchor and all the upgrades gives cutting class like it's zero mana one mana draw two a lot of the time that i have it in my hand um it's it's been a lot of fun to play and it's it's actually probably the deck that i've been enjoying the most and i never thought i'd say that about a pirate warrior list so i hope sword eater makes it to wild without getting a nerf because i actually think it's the fun kind of strong mm -hmm. but it is like powerful enough that i almost expected at some point yeah it, it seems like it's just under the threshold where i think i think it can sneak by yeah i mean you know, <laughs> warrior went, warrior went like an entire year without seeing risky skipper get nerfed i think it can handle <laughs> sword Eater, uh for a little bit 
Um, but yeah, Sword Eater is busted. It, and it's like Pirate Warrior in general. Pirate Warrior is one of the decks that I've also had the most fun with. Um, I haven't been trying like this cutting class build that Meowth is using. Um, so I'm kind of interested to see, you know, if more people pick that up, how that feels. Um, but I think it's a great idea after the like voracious reader uh, nerf happened. Like, Pirate Warrior is kind of looking for other ways to sort of match that rebuild. I think Pirate Warrior is one like really good two drop away from being like a very good competitive deck. Like, it, like it is. I mean, it good already it already is. I, I, yeah. yeah, but like I think it's like if you print me a good two drop, right? That I'm happy to play on two. Like a two mana two mana two three give another pirate like plus one plus one or something like that. Just give me I... some really <laughs> solid two drop, and I think Pirate Warrior goes and becomes one of the best decks in the format. I mean, I don't think it needs help. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. I, I think it's like I think it's like currently like maybe the fifth or sixth like best deck in the format. Like I think it's really good. So I don't you know I don't need to go too much further with it. Mm, I would love to see another two drop. Like having you played think... <laughs> having played this deck so much this week, I think if you give it a good two drop, I think it pushes it over the edge. Do you think Pirate Warrior is trying to replace Sharkfin Fan? Yeah, I think that's the two drop that I, I don't yeah. like. Like I think Sharkfin Fan's in there because you have the four cannons. And, and that's kind of like the only reason. Otherwise, you'd be running um, the two mana two three pirate lady, uh, the blood mm. cell raider. Raider. Yeah. Yep. Um, like you're never happy playing the sharkfin fan on two though, right? Like you never want to have it on, if, on two. If they ever, if they ever print a rush pirate, I think Town Cry could kind of push this over the edge as well. Yeah, I was talking I think, about I think this on that uh, that rogue rush pirate that gets yeah. bigger for each pirate. That was just like the biggest high roll of anything. Yeah, yeah. If you ever hit that. Exactly. Yeah. If you hit that card and all of a sudden it's like turn three, it's like, oh, cool. I have like a two mana four four with rush. Oh, it's yeah. like, <laughs> I was just talking about so like good. if that was a warrior specific card, it'd be so good. Um, or even like honestly, even like the stealth rogue pirate, like the the one three that draws mm -hmm. you a card, it's also like one of the bigger like high rolls off of Sky Raider. I have found right when you Sky Raider on one, you're never like mad mm -hmm. to see the one three. Um, but yeah, I think you just give it a yeah. good two drop, like in your. You're ecstatic, and then and then people are going to be complaining for Ankar to get another nerf, um, or something like also, that. Also, can we just reflect for a second how awesome it is that Crag is like a thing? It's just like a common thing now in Pirate Warrior. Like no one really questions it. It's like, oh yeah, Sky Captain Crag in Pirate Warrior. <laughs> I, I love this. It's become a thing. Yeah, it is a TGT card, right? Yeah, damn. TJT, yeah. This is this is <laughs> why I don't dust any. I okay, I say that, but I had a golden Crag from when I played in TGT, and then mm. I dusted him. And then I had to recraft him for Pirate Warrior. <laughs> so this is why you never dust your cards if you can avoid it. But yeah, that, that's going to be it for our, for our decks of the week. Uh, and we'll be doing State of the Wild episodes every Sunday. So if you guys enjoy these episodes, uh, make sure to drop a subscription and uh, share with other people out there. And just a reminder that we're also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all your podcast distributors. If you want to listen on the go, make sure you guys check us out there. Uh, Martian, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. Uh, let the people know where they can find you. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been fun. Uh, you can find me on Twitch. I'm uh, Martian Boo, uh, spelt like Martian, and then B-U-U. I'm also on Twitter by the same handle, and recently on YouTube. Yeah, but again, Martian, thank you, thank you very much for coming on the show. And uh, yeah, guys, definitely check out Martian stuff on um, you know Twitch and YouTube and all that kind of thing. Really good content. So make sure you give a look if you if you enjoyed the the show and stuff. Yeah, uh, we appreciate all of you guys for watching uh, today's episode. If you guys uh, hope you all enjoyed, stay safe out there. Uh, enjoy the new mini set expansion, assuming it's coming on the 21st. That means it'll be out by the time our next episode records. So we hope you guys enjoy that, uh, and we will see you guys next time. Later. Bye. Bye.